to chapter 33 of the book of Exodus. Oh, wait a minute. In 34 and 35 and 36. As a matter of fact, just skip right to the end of the book of Exodus because what comes now, we have them at Mount Sinai. And the next chapters all talk about the measurements of the Ark of the Covenant. The, what goes inside, what's on the outside, what's, what's in the, the, the inner room, what's all that. So, I want us to turn now, really, I'd like for us to turn straight to the book of Numbers. Exodus, Leviticus. What happened to Leviticus? Leviticus is a whole bunch of laws and rules that are meant to keep the people safe. Safe from dysentery, teaches you how to, how to cook your food, what to eat. Safe from morality, and it's, it's a lot of, of laws and rules meant to keep the people safe while they were in the desert, while they're marching around for 38 more years. So that's the Leviticus. We pick up the people, the people of Israel with Moses. They are at the foot of Mount Sinai in Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. Actually, I want to start with chapter 10 in verse 33 to, to close that section out. Numbers chapter 10, verse 33. We got our Bibles turned there. And they departed from the mount of the Lord for three days' journey. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them in the three days' journey to search out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day when they went out of the camp. And it came to pass when the ark set forward that Moses said, Rise up! Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered. And let them that hate thee flee before thee. I was in a home one time. Uh, and I was out on their porch, and I wondered why we were out on the porch. It was in Virginia Beach. And they were about to show me their house, but they said they had this unique quality about their kitchen. We just want you to see what, what happens in our kitchen when we walk in and turn the light on. Okay. So we go in. The guy turned the light on, and there were hundreds upon hundreds of cockroaches. When the lights came on, they just poofed into the walls. That's what this reminds me of. The people of God are marching through the desert. And he has just said, let your enemies be scattered and let them hate thee. Let them that hate thee flee from before thee. In verse 36, and when it rested, he said... Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. Many thousands is an expression used for meaning 10,000 thousands. Somebody can work that out if you like. 
10,000 thousands is what, they, what he has there. It's millions. So I, I, I wanted to find out just how far they went. I don't know exactly how far they went. I don't know exactly how far you can go with a million people in tow. It probably means by the time the, the front ranks get there, the back ranks haven't even left yet. But I did find this out. They're going to be en route from Mount Sinai to Kadesh. And it's, it's going to take a while to get there. It's 200 miles, and they're going to stop 20 times. They're going to stop and camp 20 times during that 200-mile hike through the woods. They're going to be camping out 20 different times. So that's, if it's true, that's 10 miles a night, a day. So that's where we're at. We're on the move. I was kind of creative with my, with my title. Did you look at it? Did, does anybody ever look at my titles? I, huh? You do because you write them. Yeah, Becky does back there. Uh, well, my wife thinks I'm silly because I labor over my titles. And she says, David, no one ever reads it. No one reads your titles. But growing up, I was a cowboy and Indian guy. I've told you that before. And Rawhide was my favorite TV show. What's how's it go? Head them up, round them up, Rawhide. Well, I remember that when I was, when I was, what? It was back in the 50s, wasn't it, Michael? I see you nodding your head. Uh, he's a trivia person. And, uh, yeah, Clint Eastwood started in Rawhide as a teenager. But anyway, uh, and I also thought about uh, Westward Ho. Westward Ho was the, the, the wagon trains that left from the east and went across the west. And that lasted a very long time and some of our us old people are some of our favorite actors too but head them up move them on and the title I chose for tonight's message forward ho forward ho so I, I, I wanted to point that out to you because now they're on the move they've been stopped they've been camping for a, for a long time for a long time, and now they're moving again. They don't know where they're going. The cloud is leaving them up front. Wouldn't that be strange? Be following the cloud. Isn't that also something? Trust God no matter what. Well, the first thing we find out here is the people complain. The people complain. Chapter 11, verse 1. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Complaining spirits. We have to be so careful. Listen, you don't complain about what God's given you. 
You don't complain about the things that God has provided for you. Of course, it's natural for us. It's natural for us to want more. But what does Paul say? Be ye content in whatever state you find yourself. So we have to be careful when we complain what it is we're complaining about. And in this case, the consequence was fire among them, and many people died. Verse 2, And the people cried unto Moses. And when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched or stopped. We see here several times that Moses intercedes for the people. A good leader intercedes for his people. He called the name, I'm sorry, and the people cried unto Moses, and Moses prayed unto the Lord, verse 2, and the fire was quenched. And he called the name of that place Taberah, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. No idea where it's at now. These Old Testament sites and and cities and uh, they, we don't know where they are. We know where Sinai is. We know where Kadesh Barnea is. But, but it's, it's an amazing thing how these places nowadays, architects, architect, archaeology, archaeology, they have archaeological digs in these places and they still find metal, a type of metal from these, these, this era. Verse 4, and the mixed multitude that was among them, stopping for a moment, who were the mixed multitude? They were generally unsaved rascals. I had a, I had a commentary that was written 100 years ago, and this commentator said they were the riffraff of society. I don't think we use that expression anymore. But what happened is they, uh, the, the people, the riffraff of society in Egypt, they joined the good people of Israel. They thought, this, we can prosper from this. And they, they joined the, the good people, bad people mixed in with the good people. And sometimes it's the bad people that have the most courage. They speak out the most and the loudest. That's where you have to be careful who you're following. And just because someone says something very clear and loudly doesn't mean they're right. Watch again. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again. And watch what they wanted. Who's going to give us meat? To eat. Now they've been they've been in the desert now several months, and they're getting hungry and starving. Now they had they had much of their own food. They had cattle and sheep and all, but uh, manna. Watch, who's going to give us flesh to eat? Then we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt. Freely, We remember the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. My, my grandmother, step-grandmother, 
used to make leek soup, and when we got a cold or something, we got leek soup. Does anybody here know what leek soup is? Well, they know back in Dayton, it's a type of onion soup. That's basically what leeks are. Uh, leeks and onions and garlic, but now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides, watch, besides this God-provided manna here that we have. And they're complaining against God's provision. It's amazing. I, I have this note here. We often, when we're remembering our past, we remember the full stomachs. We remember the great meals that we had. And we seldom remember the suffering. And Israel was a nation that was suffering for 400 years under the whip. But let's remember the leek soup, of course. And they want to go back because of the food. Anytime you're making progress for God, you're obeying him. There's always sacrifices. And in this case, it was leaving the food of Egypt to have your, to have your freedom to serve God. Wow. Remembering the suppers, but not the suffering. What did they say again? Verse 6. But now our soul, it literally means our animal appetites, our appetite is dried away. And there's nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. There should have been a thankfulness from them that at least God provided manna for them. It wasn't flavorful, maybe. And they had, oh, I'm going to need your help. The different ways you could cook bread. Can you fry it? Can you boil it? I guess. Can you deep fry it? Can you... And on and on and on, they tried everything they could because that's all they had to eat was manna. Manna. Huh. And there is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Again, I say to you, be very careful what you complain about. Because if God is the provider and generally he is. Don't complain against the provider, what he's given, what he's provided. Hmm. Verse 7. And the manna was as the coriander seed and the color thereof as the color of blah, 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 blah. Literally pearls. The color of pearls. And the people went about and gathered it and and grounded into mills, beat it into mortar, baked it into pans, made cakes of it. The taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. I might like it. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. Again, I point out to you that we need to be so careful if God's providing something. Listen. And it's, I say this to our youth, too. I think we only have one, two, from the same family. 
Uh, I say this to them and to us that have a lustful eye. I say this to you because you don't always have to be entertained. You don't always have to have the best taste. I say that as a hypocrite. I'm going home and having Bonnie hid chocolate-covered peanuts from me, and I found them. <laughs> Bonnie's got that weird thing going on with her eye with always precedes a migraine, so she won't be able to catch me when I go to where she hid it. So, but, huh? Oh, I'll probably eat it in front of her, but for that matter. I'm the boss of that house. <laughs> so, but I say that because I say this to our young people. I say this, it doesn't always, and it won't always taste good. But if God's provided it, we need, we need to enjoy it for what it is and understand this isn't all there is. And when I, I just had this conversation with someone who said, my kids are always bored. What do I do? I said, good. Anybody here never bored? We have to raise our kids even to know how to get used to being bored. Because life is not always very exciting and pleasurable. And that's one of the problems in our society, even as Larry mentioned. So please understand, they have food in their bellies provided from God. I even apply this to husbands and wives. The one person that God has provided for you, don't complain against him or her. She, he is a gift, a treasure from God. Don't take them for granted. Verse 10, And Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. What are you crying about? I don't like this manna. I don't like that. In a minute, they're going to they're going to try to they're going to try to have other leaders leading them. How can we do better than having God Himself in the form of a cloud leading us? So Moses was also displeased, and he's fed up, and he's tired. And remember, now he's in his eighties. He's in his eighties. And he's leading a complaining people. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant, me? It's about me, Lord. It's about me. And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? Now, is he complaining? Yes. Is he complaining about God to others? No. If you've got a complaint, address it straight to him. Moses, when he complained, he talked straight to the Lord. He didn't talk to others about his complaint. 
I wanted you to notice that as part of my message this morning. So, so why have you laid the burden of all this people on me? Why'd you choose me? I was happy with my goats. God had a reason and a purpose. <clears throat> have I conceived all this people? No. Have I begotten them? No. That thou shouldest say unto me, carry them in thy bosom, as a nursing father bears the sucking child and the land, unto the land which thou swears unto them? Whence should I, what should I have flesh to give unto all this people? I don't have any. Do I look like I've got food to give them? And here they are complaining against me, Moses. This is really heavy coming up. Verse 13. Whence should I have flesh to give them? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. Now, when you get things, burdens that are too heavy, burdens that you can't carry alone, you're to share. Galatians chapter 6. Carry your own burden, share your own burden. The, when the burdens are too heavy, you get help. When you can't handle it, you get help. Verse 15. And if thou deal thus with me, what's he say? What's, what? Kill me. If this is the way it's going to be, kill me. I can't stand it anymore. Lord, kill me. Somebody else famous said that. This is a, I want to call it, this a Moses moment, a moment of weakness. And when people are constantly complaining against you, you just want to run and die. I know. And I, that's what happened with Moses. He got so tired of it with the people complaining. And God's been doing miracles among them. God's got a plan. God's got a program. And Moses is into it. Not so the other millions that are there. Verse 15. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee. Just kill me out of hand. I want to die right now. If I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see thy, my wretchedness. If I have found favor in your sight, God, kill me. That's what Moses says. Now, we may or may not get to it, but Moses is the meekest man on the face of the earth. Maybe the meekest ever lived. When we get to chapter 12, we, we will see his, his sister and brother will gang up on him because he's so meek. Meek, meek, and meek. They, they use that about him all the time. But I don't, wanna, I don't want to go past this, this teaching point. Would you turn in your Bibles to the right? First Kings 19.4. 
First Kings nineteen four. You go through the Samuels, you go to the Kings, and you go to the Chronicles. We're in First Kings chapter nineteen, where one of the most godly and powerful men ever in the world wants to die. 19, verse 10. I guess what I'm really saying is it's human nature. But never do it. You're robbing God. I, I shocked this one person years ago, came into my office and sat down and said, what's the problem? And they they they're not in our church anymore. And they said, I just want to kill myself. Trying to get maybe pity and mercy from me. Shocked me. And, and I said, okay. Wasn't the answer they were looking for. Okay. Let's become dead to self and alive to Jesus. Let's, let's become dead to our passions, to our sins, and let's turn it all around and let's become alive living for Jesus rather than living for self. Now, I think that helped that person. They're still, they're still with Christ and in the church. But oh my, oh my. Here we are with... Elijah. Elijah. Wow. What a man. Full of the power of God and miracles. And he did so many miracles. Straight out tremendous miracles. But he got tired. He got worn down. Now watch me. He got smashed down. He started to run. He started to run. Eventually, he's hiding in a cave from Qu Queen Jezebel. He's just wiped out armies, basically. But he's running away from one, one person, Jezebel. And so here he is in, here he is in 19, chapter 19, verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and he sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he would die. And he said, it is enough. I've had enough. I can't stand it anymore. Now, O Lord, take away my life. For I am not better than my father's. And he still had lots of miracles left to do. But the, the, the point I'm trying to make is we all go through Elijah moments. If you have it, wait a little bit. But Elijah moments come when you're just totally worn out, when you're totally, when you're depressed. When you just don't want to go on. When you, when you have lost all hope. And that's all on you because there's lots of hope. 
But we get trapped in a cave of our own making. And we just want to, we just, we want to end it. That's what the devil wants. Because a week, a month, a year later, you're going to be the person, the instrument that God uses to lead others to Christ. I guess I can share this. On the way out the door today, second service, Larry Helsol's middle teenage daughter, she's been at camp all summer long. She worked at, uh, what's the camp in, what's the camp in State College? What's the, what? Was that where it was? She, she came through the line, and usually the, the, those three older girls are very quiet with me, and she practically attacked me. She, Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave, 700 kids came to camp. 105, 110 of them got saved. She was so excited. If you, if you got to know her, she has a, a real intense personality. Uh, Larry, she's the, she's the daredevil. Of, of the of the daughters, she's the one that will do the the dangerous things with with Larry, Dad. The other ones are too fearful. But here she is using her gifts and her talents. Had she committed suicide last year, what would have happened? So you you see, we never can see once we get into that cave and we're, our eyes are on us instead of Him. God's got a program. Yes, we're going to lose things. Yes, we're going to lose people. Yes, we're going to have pain and suffering while we're here. But as long as we can stay useful to the kingdom. Years ago, Larry and Jim and, and Denny, Corey, I'm thinking of some others, took me on a, took me, all expenses paid, to a trip a trip to Kentucky to go bow hunting. It, it was a wonderful experience. I'm the only one that got a buck, too, by the way. Uh, but it, it was just a great experience. We got back. We got back, and now I'm supposed to take Bonnie on a plane almost the next day to see Angie back then in Nashville. Well, somebody died. I've got these things backwards. Larry's dad died. Glenn died. And I stayed home while Aunt Angie and Lucy, while Bonnie, thank you, that's her name, uh, <laughs> while Bonnie went on to be with, with Angie and the family, I had to stay home. I wasn't supposed to be home. And on Sunday night, no, 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 on Friday night at midnight, my phone rang. And it was an anonymous person. And they started the conversation off like this. Now, I'm laying in bed, probably have a belly full of chocolate-covered peanuts even. <laughs> Lights are out, I pick the phone up, and this person says, you don't know me. But when I hang up from you, I'm going to take my life unless you can talk me out of it. 
Well, the light came on real quick. I woke up real quick. And oh my goodness. This person had been in a, in a terrible crash. Not her fault. A drunk hit her. T-boned her. This, this person, she says, was in horrible suffering pain 24-7 with no hope of ever getting better. And she said, and the guy that hit me, he got off. He's, he, he's good. He's okay. The guy that hit me. But here I am. I can't stand it anymore, Pastor Dave. I can't stand it. Talk me out of it. Now, all I did was say this. Have you ever been able to help someone even when you were in your suffering, in your pain? Did it ever help someone else? There was a long silence. And she said, yes, I have helped others. I said, then you can't take your life. You're still an instrument of righteousness for God. You're useful to the kingdom. When we're through and we're not useful anymore, that's up to God. But Moses goes on to lead these people all the way to the promised land. Now, he doesn't lead them into the promised land, but he leads them all the way to the promised land. He takes them through Kadesh Barnea and he strikes the rock and makes water come out of it and all those things. He did, did all those things after he was so depressed and sad that he wanted to die. It's okay for us to be sad and depressed and to want to die. Those are called Elijah moments. And if you went, we went on to the story, you, you would see that he hadn't eaten or drank anything for a long time. And God had the ravens bring him food. That would have been yummy. God's not finished with us yet. When we get sad and broken down, when we are just deep, so depressed, when things aren't work, working our way, we, God's not finished. It's not up to us to avoid pain and suffering, to avoid depression by, by taking our lives. That's the story of Moses. He still had lots more to do. He couldn't stand the complaining. That was his thing. And God can't stand it either, by the way. God's going to do a lot more things to these people who are complaining with Moses. And with and with Elijah he goes on how does he go to heaven yeah he never dies he goes up into heaven in a whirlwind with chariots and how exciting if he'd have died before he he wouldn't have had that experience so hold on hang on and get out of your cave, as in this case. And if it's people that are complaining about you or to you, they can say whatever they want. If you're right with God, they're always going to complain somehow. But keep your eyes on Jesus. Uh, Larry, if you'll come and lead us in the closing hymn, I think it's just a good time for us to break. Let me pray while Larry comes and musicians. Lord Jesus, please, please, please touch our hearts. 
And Lord, there might be just one. There might be just one, Lord, that is in this position of Moses. People complaining against them. Some evil, evil queen hunting them down with her armies. Lord, whatever it is, whatever the pain, whatever the suffering, whatever the loss, help us, Lord, to get through it, to fight through it, and to become useful to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.